Hello there. Welcome back to the Teaching Culture Cast, the home for community and culture in teaching. I'm your host, Matthew Bliss, and welcome back to episode nine. And I want to start off this episode by thanking all of you for listening. I've been watching the downloads and the numbers go up. And while we're only up to episode nine, we've already hit a milestone of over a thousand downloads for this podcast. And I really appreciate all of you giving this podcast a listen. It's been giving great feedback for me. It really reassures me that the stuff that we're doing with this podcast is supported by you and it's actually giving you what you need as teachers or pre-service teachers or anything else that might even fit the bill. So I want to start off by saying thank you for listening. We've got some great stuff coming up. The episode that we're going to be listening to today is going to be excellent, but I wanted to kick off with just a few quick messages. First off, I know that a lot of schools in Australia are going back to school and this may have already started for you in the previous week. And while we have referred to the turbulence around the return to school, and I know it's going to be a little bit tough considering all of the pandemic restrictions, the flip-flapping between different things, but I sincerely hope that everything is going smoothly for you so far, that you're getting ready for your classes, that you're getting ready to interact with your students again in a face-to-face environment, but more importantly, to do it safely and risk-free. Again, the Teaching Culture Cast community and myself, we're all behind you. Hopefully we're looking at a much, much better 2022. Next up, I just quickly wanted to mention the communities that already exist for teaching and that we're trying to participate in as the Teaching Culture Cast as much as we can. Uh, You'll know if you've been listening from the very beginning of the podcast that it was incepted as the idea to uh, integrate directly with the Reddit subreddit Australian Teachers. And we post there every week and there's so many great conversations going on there every week as well. If you're a currently practicing teacher, pre-service teacher, or even just thinking about it, jump in, ask questions, and that community is very happy to share their advice, their uh, opinions, and really just to be supportive. It's a great one to visit. The other thing is to uh, jump onto Twitter or Instagram on both. We are present. We've got at TeachCultCast on Twitter, and on Instagram, it's at TeachingCultureCast. I would really implore you to jump on those posts and share your comments there when we post every week as well, just to make sure that we can share our voices around and so I can get a bit of feedback from you guys as well. It's a really great way for us all to connect as a community. And if things go according to plan, I'll hopefully be able to generate another kind of platform for us all to connect as a community as well. So I'd love to see you out there. Love to see you posting. Make sure you check us out on Twitter, on Reddit, on Instagram. And leave a comment, even jump into the podcast feed itself and leave a review for the podcast so you can tell other people the value that you're getting out of this thing. That's the stuff that I would really like to hear from you. All right, let's get into the episode for this week. And in episode nine, we're going to be talking to Vine, who is a mental health professional who's working in the educational space. This one is a little bit different. He's not necessarily a teacher. He does have experience with an educational background, though, but he has a tremendous amount of experience in mental health. So the advice he's going to bring to us today is about how to manage your mental health, how best to approach the health of your students and some really practical, but also 
reflective exploration of all the things going on, the uncertainty as a result of COVID, and some additional practices that you can undertake as part of your teaching to make dealing with all of that uncertainty a little bit easier. So with all that said, thanks for listening to the episode, and I really hope you enjoy it. Welcome back to the Teaching Culture Cast, and this week I have with me Vine. How's it going? Very good, Matt. Good to be here. Thanks for coming on. You're one of the more unusual guests that we've had on at the moment because you're not actually a teacher, are you? No, just a, just a teacher of my um, own life. That's about it. But you are tangential to learning and development, aren't you? Yes, I, I do have uh, a background in learning and development that I just kind of you know, fell into because of my um, desire to help other individuals. That learning and training background is great to hear about because something that's not often discussed with teachers is the ability to use our teaching skills outside of the classroom and in other careers. So it'd be great to hear a bit of your career background so far and a little bit about yourself, if you wouldn't mind giving us a little bit of a background. Yeah, so you know, I've had a I've had a bit of an interesting background and career, so to speak. It's you know, as you can as you can tell from my accent, I, w- I wasn't you know born in Australia. I've been raised overseas in India, and if anyone here has has had any experience teaching in in a in a country where education is all about competing with the children next to you and trying to get to the top of them by making sure that you're doing better than everyone else you you know you know what i'm talking about it's it's pretty cutthroat so you know my background in in being taught was that i had to strive to be the best at what i was being taught at and very early on in my in my childhood my mindset was i need to be able to regurgitate to the best of the ability to prove to someone else that i can i can do well it was it was never about me absorbing content to improve myself as a person, myself as an individual. It was always about, you know, I guess, proving to my parents, proving to my teachers, getting an award of some sort, or proving to my friends that I was better than them, so that you know I could be the center of attention. Which uh, you know, which shows up in different ways in this in this day and age. That was twenty thirty um, years ago. And then when I came to Australia for the first time. And I had the opportunity to to learn at my own pace in a university. You know, when I when I went in there, when I looked at my subjects, and I was sitting in class, looking at lecturers, you know, educating me on IT systems because that's what I was studying. I was studying a master's in IT. I, I realized that I didn't really I didn't really have a desire or a passion to what they were you know what they were educating me on. And plus, I did not feel like they were meeting my needs of how I wanted to learn as a as a person. So initially, before I became what I'm here today, I was a very distinguished learner. I was a very disruptive learner. I was a student, you could say, at the back of the class, you know, making sure that it was a, it was a class clown. He was, uh, you know, it was every teacher's nightmare. But at the same time, if he, if he wanted to do well at something, he could if he put his head to it. But, you know, I was, I was quite lazy because, you know, I, if I didn't have a desire to learn, I, I would not do it. I was, I was quite defiant in my approach to how I learned. And then, you know, over the past 18 years that I've spent in Australia, I've been through a number of different changes and I went through my own little life experiences that made me realize that I needed to, you know, rather than rather than defy others, I needed to think about how I would support myself to be a better person, right? Because, you know, I realized that there's no point in, in other people off, even though it was as much fun as I thought it was going to be. 
I wanted to empower myself and then in the process try and empower others to find what it is that they you know that they want to be good at and that's how I got into learning about mental health and then also supporting other people about improving their mental health and also educating them on you know becoming more aware of how they can support others with their mental health i think i speak for a lot of teachers out there when i say that's the success story that every teacher wants to hear right the the disengaged learner the student at the back who's the class clown undertakes an epiphany and appreciates that journey initially to to then become a fully fledged citizen in society <laughs> it sounds like uh, <laughs> i'm sure everyone's going yes this is what it is thoughts about this is what teaching's about for me but it's really interesting that that you found a path to be able to give back to the educational profession without actually pursuing teaching we're going to dive into the the mental health aspects that you talked about earlier in just a sec but just give us a quick idea of the educational and learning career opportunities you've had so far just very briefly to to give the potential teachers in the audience who are maybe thinking about another path yeah yeah what kind of things they could be considering very early on in my um i guess when i when i started to get, get on this journey of you know changing over from working in it to starting to um starting to work in mental health or in uh, in in mental health learning i i started to realize that you know i'm a i'm a very experiential learner i need to do things i needed to see the purpose and the and the value in what i was doing so you know when i was when i was volunteering early on and the and the way i was picking up things was about thinking about how does it fit into what i wanted to learn and supporting others through that process as well so because of uh, because of my i guess of my it background i had this i had this systems approach where anytime a, you know a training module was thrown at me i was looking at okay what is this, what is this person thinking when they develop this module how is it you know where is this where is this module losing me you know where am i getting disinterested how am i you know engaging with this with aspect of the you know the training module am i really curious to explore so and then i would, and i used to go off and you know do my own learning to kind of add on to that that's a i guess that's the best part of being a mature age learner or an adult learner is that you know you can go away and do your own learning and add on to what it is that uh, you've been you've been taught that that's one thing that i want you know everyone listening here to take away is that doesn't matter what anyone throws at you think about what's relevant what really kind of you know perks you up and excites you about what that person has said and then go and create your own learning toolkit of who are the you know who are the people that you want to follow who are the books that you want to read what are the areas that you want to kind of continuously explore on that kind of ties into you as a human being as a person right that's uh, that's just a little nugget there for uh, for people listening yeah, it's brilliant i'm sure you're going to be dropping them all over the place so <laughs> keep them coming and then when i you know when i when i started working with um, adults because my my first real role in um, in mental health was supporting other people to become more self sufficient right and these are these are individuals who had been in the mental health system for 20 odd years and if you think about people who have been in the mental health system since the 1990s the approach to well-being and mental health was very different back then compared to what it is now people used to go and see a specialist especially used to tell them take this medication you'll be on uh, you'll be on pension for the rest of your life come back in 2 weeks and we'll do the same thing all over again and i i started off my journey you know spending time with these people going you know why are these people doing the same thing over and over again when they're adults when they don't have you know when they have money in the bank when they can do what they want you know why are they stuck in this rut 
rather than doing things that they enjoy more you know why do they catch the bus when they could walk through a park you know why do they take out when they know that they want to lose weight you know yes we all do it on a, on certain cheat days but why do they constantly just get stuck in it what i found missing was they they did not have a passion to learn and improve their lives they had given over their uh, their ability of learning to someone else or you know or given that responsibility to someone else to look after them right so i tried in in those early stages of my career to try and help people adapt and to think about making small changes i i remember very early on there was an individual who said you know i love i love rap music you know i used to go to his house and he used to always play rap songs he used to be dressed up like a gangster so sometimes i used to be scared that you know he would he would attack me or not but a very gentle soul and he used to say i want to exercise i want to lose weight but you know he would you know he would sign up for a gym membership and never would go so we we you know i asked him so what do you what do you like doing and then he said i i like to go to uh, a cemetery and i like to look around tombstones i said let's let's go and do that and over a period of you know the next month i think we, every every single day we were doing close to 10000 steps in a cemetery that was his exercise and you know he didn't realize that i didn't realize that but looking back at it now it's like if you can tie in what people want to achieve with something that they like doing then it it's much more likely that you're going to take someone along on that journey of learning so obviously it doesn't work for everyone there are you know some people don't like change some others who are you know who are around them are quite resistant to change because i had parents of these people i was supporting who were saying you know why is my son or daughter doing this differently to what they've been doing for the past 10 years i said why not <laughs> because there is opportunity to explore some of them were okay with it others were not i i did have setbacks through it i had this strong desire to assist people to try and do things differently if they wanted to and to be part of that change process so as an educator I I often saw myself as assisting people through change because education is about making room for something new. Mm. When you make room for something new, sometimes it can feel quite overwhelming, especially in this in this day and age when you're, you know, when you're not sure of where that change could lead you. And having an educator alongside on your on your on your journey can be a, you know, can be a quite a bonus. Absolutely. In in the environment that we're currently in and for the audience listening at the time of recording us both being in Victoria we're currently looking at a return to schools at the beginning of 2022 that's going to be quite turbulent for teachers and not only in terms of the risk with regards to covid and the increase in cases at the time but there's also an unseen aspect about mental health with regards to not just teachers having to deal with doing their work in this environment but there's the idea of the students experiencing something similar to either anxiety or some sort of mental health affliction that would be incredibly difficult to deal with for teachers parents alike even so what kind of advice would you give to teachers who were anticipating the need to assist students remotely or even in person with a couple of different steps or things they can try to to better come to grips with what the students are experiencing yeah. and how yeah. to deal with it you know uncertainty is probably a way that you can describe what uh, you know what we're going through it's uncertainty it it's uncertain it's complex there is no one single answer there's no real sense of direction depending on who you talk to you'll get you'll get different answers to it so as uh, as teachers when you're going back to school to to talk to students one thing that i've learned in the past 10 years is that as as human beings 
we need to feel safe before we'll actually listen and accept and acknowledge what someone else is saying. Physical safety is another story. You know, you, you have a roof over your head. I have a roof over my head. I know there's no, there's no hot stuff lying on the floor, so I'm physically safe. For all the listeners who are listening right now, you know, look around yourself. Do you feel emotionally safe? You know, if you're, uh, if you're outside in a, in a shopping center, probably not. If you're home, you probably, you probably do. Because when we, when we go into a different environment, depending on how the people in the environment are, are interacting, our response, our brain starts to respond differently to it. So if you're, if you're going into a classroom and if the students have had a discussion beforehand by the principal or by the parents or by some other teacher about, you know, about the, about the virus or whatnot, if you're going in and you're, you know, if you think that everyone's on the same page, it's probably not the case. I would, uh, you know, as, a, as an educator, as a teacher, it's a really good idea in this day and age to try and talk to each of your student as, an, as a human being, as an individual. Try and connect with them so that they feel safe in your presence. That's the best thing that we can offer to someone else. And once people feel safe, they'll be more than willing to learn. If, uh, if any of you have an experience learning to swim, if you had a really horrible coach who, you know, who would yell at you every time you didn't get the stroke right or whatever it might be, or it might be any other sport. Think about, did you, did you enjoy going back and learning? You know, some people did because, you know, because they wanted to impress the coach. I was not one of them. I remember I had to, um, I had to go back in my late thirties and learn how to swim because I remember when I was young, I saw the coach drop a kid into it, into it, into the 10 feet. And I was like, I'm never going back to swim because I don't feel safe around this coach. The, the opportunity for educators. And, and, but, you know, see, no one else thought about it that way. Right? It was just me. It was, you know, it was the way I was responding, which is why, you know, so I'm not saying that everyone's going to be, everyone's going to be thinking this way. But if you want to get a message across to your students, think about how emotionally safe do they feel. And before that, think about how emotionally aware you are of what your needs are right now. Leading, leading up to coming back to the classroom, think about what you might need to look after yourself, whether it is taking some downtime, whether it is, you know, actively pursuing something to journal about or something to reflect on, something to read, something to ponder on. You know, think about who are the people that you're going to interact with before you come and interact with your students because you will bring that same energy through with you. And once that energy dissipates across the room, you know, each student will have a very different reaction to that energy. And then, you know, and then you have all of these, it's like molecules or atoms that are reacting with each other that you have to deal with. So it's much better that you come from a place where, you know, if you're feeling vulnerable, express that in a way that is empowering to the students, not in a way that the students are going to take advantage of you. And if you're not sure what that means, talk to a mentor. Talk to a friend, talk to a counselor. There is no harm in getting support preventatively. I haven't stopped seeing a counselor since I first started. That was that was a catalyst for me to change my journey because when I sat with the counselor, when I had the experience, I said, this is how I want to make other people feel. I want other people to feel comfortable to talk about what's on their mind without thinking about being judged or without thinking about, you know, what the world might think about, you know, who they are. So sometimes, you know, getting, getting support through, you know, people that you trust and it doesn't have to be family. You know, we all, I understand that we all don't have 
family members, you know, who understand and who can interpret what uh, what we're doing and why we're doing. It's a it's the same case in uh, in my family as well. Sometimes we have to choose a family of people who share our own common values, who who we can talk to about, you know, how vulnerable we're feeling or how threatened we're feeling or how emotionally unsafe we're feeling because psychological safety is what we define for ourselves. It's not defined by someone else. Yes, we have systems in place to look after health and safety, but they have been, you know, they have been written around physical health and safety. A, a tripping hazard at home is similar to a tripping hazard in the workplace. But, you know, a psychological hazard at home is very different to what it looks like in the workplace. And I don't think anyone would disagree. Um, there's so much to unpack there for teachers, which is great. Um, the idea of creating safe spaces for both teachers and students is excellent. I think that one doesn't get talked about enough, particularly for when you're doing your teacher training. In, in my experience doing the Masters of Teaching, there was one subject about not behavior management, but more diversity of students and trying to address their needs. Did not talk about that at all. I don't think there was any component of psychological management and addressing students directly that, that helped that. Diversity and cultural safety is another topic, right? Because, uh, yeah. you know, again, when you, when, when you have students who are coming from multicultural backgrounds, mm. mental health is not something that they talk about at home. No. So that's, that's why I think it's really good advice when you say to engage with your students individually and directly, um, while also showing some vulnerability but in a you know in in an effective manner to show that you're supportive of them is is a really good idea i guess in in a lot of different cases but hearing about talking to students individually is often something that teachers run up against in terms of time uh, a lot of currently practicing teachers listening are probably saying i don't have the time to directly engage with every single one of my students across all of the different classes that i that i teach so, do you have anything specific that you'd recommend to do to engage a group together yeah. in a reflective exercise? I mean, I would. Students are, uh, you know, students are really good at, uh, you know, sharing if you if you create the space. And I think, you know, an an educator these days is almost like a facilitator. Once, you know, depending on how old the student is, there's lots of students who love to talk about, you know, what they're going through. If you give them the the space to do that, no no student these days wants to be talked at. Yes, they might they might look like they're listening, but in fact, really they're switched off completely. So as a as an educator, as a as a teacher, you now think about think about your effectiveness. If you if you want to be effective, if you want to really have an impact in how your students go about their own well being or when they ask for support or when they think about, you know, their, uh, what COVID means to them or whatnot, set some time aside every single, every single session to let students unpack a little bit. I often also, you know, tell educators, okay, if you, you know, if you don't have time to talk to each, each student, give them, give them something to think about. So, you know, you might write a, you might, you might write a little article, you might write a little journal piece and share it with the students so they can reflect on that and some of them who want to come back to you with you know their answers to it can do so it has to be on a on a on a need to basis on who's putting their hand up to learn because you know learning has to be driven by the learner not by the educator 
there's a there's a there's a saying in counseling at the end of the counseling session if you if you have a headache as a counselor that means you've done more work than the than the client in the session it might it might feel good but you know is the is the client going to learn much no the client is probably going to come back to you with another problem and next time they come they're not going to be empowered to find their own solutions to their own problems so yes it it's a it's a fine line being before you know between becoming a counselor and becoming an educator which is why educators need to spend time reflecting you know you might not get something right with a cohort of students but you need a process uh, for you to think about okay what what did what went well what didn't go well who can i talk to about what else i can do with these students the next time i catch up with them so that you're not beating yourself up and you're not aiming for perfection but you're aiming for you know bang for buck or return investment on the time that you're spending and the the other thing to think about is in in every classroom there are certain students who are peer champions who are quite self aware who have spent some time thinking about their own well-being or how you know how it's impacting on on their well-being use them as uh, as peer leaders to run facilitated groups within the within the classroom perhaps or at least to get a bit of a temperature of what's happening with the rest of the room so that you're sharing your knowledge you're dissipating your knowledge through these peer leaders knowing that it's not going to it's not going to get wasted rather than just uh, approaching each student like uh, as if they're cookie cutter because that's not going to that's not going necessarily going to work and and this is brilliant because every student is different and every teacher is told that every student is different and then we have to cater to their needs but uh one of the big things about teaching is the idea of reflection as well reflection is a is a massive critical component of what a good and a productive teacher will do but taking and acting on that reflection is sometimes a bit hard depending on how you're told to do it again not to speak ill of teacher training courses in general but often reflection is is categorized as data based like you'll do an assessment you'll get some marks back and you'll reflect on those marks to inform your teaching but there are a bunch a bunch of other reflective methods that you can undertake to be able to inform your teaching better so i'd like to know what do you have a favorite method of reflection for yourself that you undertake like do you journal like you mentioned before or is there another activity you undertake to reflect on your own practice i i i journal sometimes and you know i i write quite a bit of different information for me a sense of reflection is trying and reading something that's completely outside of what i would be thinking about that's that's something i do i i spend a bit of time in nature uh i i take a few questions on without having answers now as a teacher it is it is going to be very challenging for you to have a question but not have an answer to that question i think with anybody yeah. it's it's a hard one but that's why you do it right yeah. but at least with a with a with a teacher you know it is if you have if you're having an answer right away to any question that you're asking of yourself when you're reflecting then it's probably not the the right way to reflect it's a you know you're you're going through the motion it is it is really important to to spend some time digging deep into you know there's a there's a process of the five whys where you keep asking why five times to see where you get to as to why you're doing what you're doing and also sometimes you know if you're responding to a student a certain way if you find yourself getting a bit agitated or not feeling psychologically safe in someone else's presence think about okay what what was what was happening to me in that during that particular time that made me feel that way 
Sometimes often, you know, teachers will feel comfortable reflecting by themselves rather with some peers. The best way we can address our blind spots is because, you know, as teachers and educators and counselors, we are really good at making excuses for our own blind spots. If you don't spend some time identifying that, if you don't have a person alongside us who's willing to point out the bullshit meter that we are rather putting out or the excuses that we're making, then it's really difficult for us to grow and develop. And growth is not going to be easy, which means that, you know, you, you won't necessarily have the answer straight away, but it is a process. This next year, this 2022, ask yourself, where do you want to be as an, where, where do you want to be as a teacher? in January 2023, when you're looking back, what are some of the skills and abilities that you want to have developed in your own personal life? Not from a PDP perspective, but as an individual, what do you want to be more able to do? What do you want to be more accommodating of? What do you, what do you want to, you know, learn more about? And then the, the question that I like to ask people is, you know, what, where do you think you see yourself in 2030 as an educator, as a teacher? What do you think you might be teaching? What do you think you might be doing? And, and a lot of the time, people don't have the answers about those things. But you know, it's not necessary to have the answers, but I want you to raise those questions and plant those seeds so that it has time to grow and to, you know, for you to find opportunities that kind of match in with that. Hmm. So the structure of your reflection as a critical practice isn't just the means of doing it, like challenging yourself goal setting, actually taking the time to think about what the you should be reflecting on and if you're reflecting enough is super important. I think, I think you've summarized that in a great way that a lot of people actually struggle with. So that, that's, that's why you're here, I think, because <laughs> <laughs> we love hearing that stuff. It's really interesting to hear you talk about your reflective practice and the way that teachers and educators can approach it. It's often a gargantuan task particularly at the moment. We've already talked about approaching students and trying to get them on board to start a conversation to make them feel supported. Also, teachers taking the time to uh, reflect in themselves or with other people about making sure that they are supporting themselves. But do you have any, uh, dare I say it, quick tips about uh, general well-being that teachers could take with them in the coming year that would give them a very simple way to approach supporting themselves, either involved or outside of the reflective practice we've already yeah. talked about. It's probably going to be the case that teachers are going to be spending a significant amount of time trying to think about what teaching looks like in 2022. It's you know it is it is it is going to be a really challenging and complex environment, you know, just like it was in 2020 and 2021. It's not going to go away. So unfortunately, even if, you know, even if things go back to the classroom, you're still going to have students who will be at different stages and different levels of learning. And, you know, you might be beating yourself up about, you know, why is this happening or whatnot. So first and foremost is about some form of self-compassion for teachers, for themselves. We are good at pleasing others. We are good at being kind to others or, you know, being less critical of others, but we are often quite critical of ourselves. This is the real nature of the of the work that it is so you, when you're working in a in a space where it involves some form of caring i would say that you know for a teacher it's important to sit back and go okay how would i talk to myself if i was if i was talking to a friend mm. but sometimes that compassion can be just shutting yourself off from the world and not thinking about teaching for a bit right it's you know it's about not just thinking about a job thinking about reducing any overwhelm 
Now, it, you know, if you sit down to if you sit down to meditate, it takes about twenty minutes before all the noise kind of you know dies down, and things start to come up. For teachers, feeling a sense of overwhelm, feeling anxious, losing sleep, it does not mean that you necessarily have a mental health issue. It just means that there's an opportunity for you to think about what that what might that be related to. So that can come back to reflection. That can come back to going and talking to you know someone in employee assistance programs, right? Please do not you know as an as a teacher, we need connection just as much as students need connection to teachers. We need to feel supported. When we don't feel supported, our brain starts to think about I'm not get I'm not feeling psychologically safe. So I'm going to start and put measures into place to support myself. And that's when we lean towards unhelpful coping mechanisms, which might be distracting ourselves with. Now with TV, with social media, with you know, trying to go out and look busy, or trying to get busy in work, whatever it might be, right? And the the reality is, when you start to distract yourself, and and all of us know when we are you know when we are fooling ourselves and we're distracting ourselves when we're trying to look busy, but we're not really you know effective in our lives. It's not about being productive. It's about thinking about okay, how how can I make the best use. Of my day, and carving out time for myself and for the people that I really care about, and how can I be present for everyone else, and and including myself in on a on a day to day basis? Because this is not about okay. I'm when I I'll take a break in September when things get better. If you if you put your self care on the on the sidelines, you know you might look like you're getting through the motion with your with your work. I'll guarantee you this: when you come to the end of the year, you start to feel drained, you'll start to feel burnt out. You might go away, but still, you won't. You probably may not have the time to feel recharged, energized when you come back. Giving yourself some mini breaks, even during the day, during the week, giving yourself time to just switch off from things and just to sit down and just reflect on your day. Even gathering with some other people and not talking about everything that's happening out there in the world, but you know, really inquiring about how each other is doing. And you know you don't have to sit in a pub to do that. You can be in a nice little quiet space. You know, a good way I found of challenging myself is trying to learn a new skill. Whether it's a different form of cooking, whether it's uh, you know riding a skateboard, whether it is learning code or you know trying to paint if you're not an artist. Especially if we say that oh I'm not good at that, I encourage educators to definitely try something that they think that they're not good at. Because when we go into that early learning state again. It creates the opportunity for our brain to feel okay with uncertainty, so it prepares for whatever might be in store for us for the rest of the year. It's funny you, the way that you talked about that. You started off by mentioning, and look, it's the catch cry of 2020 and 2021, right? Work from home, or we're in a lockdown. We're going to be our most productive self and do all those things that we never have the time to do, but invariably we don't for that reason you mentioned the burnout and its distraction, as opposed to actually being productive. But at the same time, you mentioned that that doing something new or something intriguing to you can activate that learning state to embrace uncertainty a little bit better. So while it probably sounds like a fine line, it's very, very interesting that you can set goals for yourself to try and manage the support of yourself by doing something new yeah. instead of distracting yourself. It's very interesting. Because when you start to when you start to learn, sorry, I'll just add something to it. When mm. you start to learn something new, you know, you almost feel like a child who's starting to learn again, right? Or starting to learn how to learn how to walk. You've lost that opportunity. 
It's the funniest thing. That's why teachers get into it, right? They're about lifelong learning. They're teaching other people yeah. from their experiences, but taking the time to learn themselves just can reinvigorate. Yeah. And you know, it doesn't have to be professional development. It can be learning something that you're that you knew always existed, and you tried it in the past, and you thought, "I'm I'm crap at it," right? And it also helps us release ourselves from that perfectionist mentality. Who tells me I have to be good at something? Why can't I just create a painting? And if I, you know, if I turn it around, it looks like a face. If I turn it around, it looks like something else. So why not? Yeah, and it's so great to hear about this stuff from a different perspective than teaching, because because more often than not, teachers will look to other teachers for their experience on how to deal with this stuff. But mm -hmm. we can talk to people like yourself who have significant experience with approaching well-being and mental health and <laughs> find out a whole lot more. I'm loving talking to you, man. <laughs> we might have to get you back for another episode, maybe a six-month check-in yeah. just to, yeah. to see where teachers are at again and maybe give them a little bit more advice. I hope the audience has gotten a lot, a lot out of this. But even though you're not a teacher or studying to be a teacher, you are not exempt from the very last thing that I ask everybody who participates in this podcast, and that is the one pearl of wisdom, the one big piece of advice from uh, your career, from what you've learned in life, anything that you'd like to pass on to the teaching and learning community. What would that pearl of wisdom be for you? Self-awareness is, is the compass that helps guide us in deciding what we want to do next. Do what you can to think about how self-awareness plays a part in your, in your life. If you're constantly going from one thing to the next, uh, give yourself some space, some time to be in the nothingness of things. There's plenty of things to keep us keep us occupied. These days, it's uh, you know it's us taking the time to just be present with ourselves, with our bodies, with our minds, and actually tuning in to the sensations and what's happening around us. If we can if we can be more present with ourselves, no one else around us can really dictate how we react or how we respond. We feel like we're more in control. So, you know, I think that's, that's self-awareness is the only thing that, you know, we can actually look after because we, we can't really change what's happening around us. We can only change how we respond. Yeah. That's really, that's great. Self-awareness, reflection, uh, finding safe spaces, all that is brilliant stuff. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You know, it's, it's been great to have you here. Hopefully we'll get you on for another podcast soon and good luck with everything coming for you. Take care, everyone. That was Vinay talking about mental health management strategies for teachers, for students, and really for anybody. If you'd like to find out more about the Teaching Culture Cast, make sure you head to teachingculturecast.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Make sure you connect with the community in Reddit on the r slash Australian Teachers subreddit. And I really hope to see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. Good luck with the new school year and enjoy 2022. See you next time.